Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hello there, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and Bronze Age of Comics. I'm David Steele. And I'm Peter Watson. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now today, we're going to talk about a very special issue of Action Comics. It's Action Comics issue 388, which came out on the 26th of March, 1970. It's uh, a fantastic story written by Carrie Bates with sensational artwork from Kurt Swan pencils and George Russos on inks, edited, of course, by Mort Weisinger, as all the Superman books were at this time. Fantastic. And it's got a sensational cover. David, would you like to tell us all about this cover? It might take a while. I would love to. Nothing would give me greater pleasure. So, we have the Action Comics logo and the nice sort of muddy green against a white box against an orange background. Superman standing beside the Superman DC National Comics logo. And the image is dominated by, well, it's the Batmobile. Mm. But the Batmobile's sort of red and it has a sticker stuck on the front that says Argo City or Bust. And perched on the back of the Batmobile, we see Lois Lane in a wedding dress with a veil and all that sort of stuff, clutching a bouquet of flowers. And next to her, waving up into the sky, looking delighted, is, well, it is Superman, but the S on his chest is backwards. His hair is longer, anticipating his famous early 90s mullet. Indeed. He's wearing glasses, so he just looks like Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. And there's a little yellow lightning flash sort of band around his left wrist. Now, seated in the driver's seat is what appears to be Perry White. But instead of smoking a cigar, he's smoking a pipe. And he's wearing a bow tie, which is the sort of thing that the guy in the passenger seat, Jimmy Olsen, normally wears. But Jimmy Olsen, in this case, is asleep. And he's wearing a, a tie which has stripes on it. And instead of snoring... Jimmy appears to be creating the sound effect from his famous signal watch. Yeah. All around, we can see a few other sort of familiar figures, but slightly different. Mm -hmm. In the background, standing in front of a telegraph pole, which is an arrow on it saying one way and pointing up to the sky, we see what appears to be Cosmic Boy of the Legion and Saturn Girl of the Legion. But Cosmic Boy's leggings are white and he's wearing gloves with a sort of white star at the cuff, which is very odd. And Saturn Girl, instead of having the familiar Saturn image on her chest, it's a crescent moon. And her leggings look a bit different. I'm not sure how... Maybe that's just me. <laughs> yes, your leggings look different too. Yes, my, my leggings do look... You can't see my hairy legs. Flying in above them is what appears to be Crypto the Superdog, but he's coloured like Streaky the Supercat. He's sort of bright orange with a white lightning flash on his side rather than the normal white. <laughs> Flying down behind what appears to be the Clark-Superman flash combination is Bizarro, and Bizarro is throwing confetti, obviously, towards the happy couple. And as he does this, Bizarro is saying, Hooray for Superman! I like him. So that's unusual for a start. And we should point out that Bizarro's Superman chess symbol is the right way round, which is unusual. Below him, bearing a sign that says, Villains for Superman, good luck, is Brainiac. But Brainiac is not wearing his normal clothes. He's dressed in the familiar purple and orange outfit of a chap I've always called Mr. Mixoplex for ease of pronunciation, but Pizzi has always insisted on calling him Mr. Mix, yes, Pitalik. <laughs> Do you know what? Sometimes, listeners, I just get Peter to say that to me because it's great. I'll be saying it a lot during this episode, so don't worry. <laughs> yes, and this brainy and mixy combo is doffing his little purple hat, and he has the DC logo as it was at this time emblazoned on his chest. And at the very front of the image, Wearing a bracelet around her wrist, which is a label attached that says 24 karat kryptonite, is Supergirl. And we can see that she has a logo on her back, 
which instead of the familiar red and yellow is coloured in yellow and red. That's one of the minor ones. And because it's a wedding, obviously, she's hurling some form of pasta at the vehicle, but she's not hurling rice, as you would normally expect. She's throwing spaghetti. And in the midst of all this, as I said at the top, we have Lois Lane, who looks stunning, frankly, in, in this wedding dress. And she looks quite annoyed in the midst of all this. And she's saying to the Clark-Superman combo, You and your fancy wedding receptions, Clark. And as we take all this in, we notice that there's another sort of sign at the side of the road, almost beside the vehicle, that has written upon it, What's wrong with this cover? This is not an April Fool's story. No, it's not. This is the story from Action Comics 388, and we are now going to jump right into it. Before we do, everyone, everyone, listeners at home, let's give David a massive round of applause for that incredibly (laughs) well-done description of a very complex cover. Thank you, David. Thank you. Pizzi, Pizzi, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. So, with all that in mind, listeners, we shall jump right in. Action Comics 388, cover dated May 1970. So, our opening splash panel. Traditional opening splash panel, which was a sort of image which really sums up the spirit of the story, rather than the recent Justice League stories that we've had that have kind of kicked off the, the plot. What we see is Superman looking at a series of other figures. Now, very quickly, we should point out that it appears to be what our American listeners might call a band-aid and what we might call a plaster mm. on his right shoulder over his uniform. So I don't know if we'll figure out what's happening here, but there's a Superman logo at the top. Under the Superman logo, there appears to be a knife scraping into a piece of wood somehow that says Superman loves. And what we see is LL, 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 and they're all crossed out and then there's a remaining LL. So that's obviously presumably references to like what Lori Lamaris and Lana Lang and Lana Lang, Lex Luthor, <laughs> yeah, Lara Luna, some of the others. Yeah. Mm. And presumably Lois Lane. Mm. And Superman is beholding five figures in front of him. Now he has a thought bubble that describes some of them, but we're still going to give you full descriptions to his immediate left is what you'd think was Aquaman. But he has the head of Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. Gosh. In front of him is Batman. Well, at least it looks like Batman, but you look more closely and he has the Atom's little symbol on his chest and his forehead. And to the left of the one on his chest is a little badge that says Joker for President. In front of Superman is what appears to be Jimmy Olsen, but he's wearing a Green Lantern uniform. His left arm appears to be gold. I wonder if that's a Lightning Lad reference. Mm. This Jimmy Olsen is saying, Hey, Superman, we Justice Leaguers came to wish you luck on your coming marriage. And then Superman says in response to Jimmy, What marriage? But that's not the end of it. Standing behind Jimmy is what appears at first glance to be the Flash, except instead of a little lightning bolt with a circle around it, it's sort of twin lightning bolts firing up, and he appears to have Hawkman's wings poking out the side of his head. And in front of him, it's Wonder Woman, who appears to look normal, but we should remember, of course, at this point, Wonder Woman was in her period of having no real powers and wearing Diana Rigg, Emma Peel-inspired fashions. Mm-hmm. Standing beside the Ersatz Olsen Green Lantern is a very, very small purpley pink elephant that appears to be giving itself a wash. On the floor in front of Superman is a newspaper headline for the Daily Planet that says, Napoleon defeats Grant at Iwo Jima. So if you're doing history at school, you might figure out what's going on there. And as he beholds all of this, Superman is thinking, Ah! <gasps> Batman has the Adam's insignia. The Flash has Hawkman's helmet wings and Lightning Lad's emblem. Green Lantern's Jimmy Olsen and Wonder Woman is wearing her old costume. What's going on? A caption box at the top of the page says, So you think this topsy-turvy tale is an April Fool's gag, eh? Well, 
Take it from the Man of Steel. This is no joke. It's very real. Prepare yourself for anything as you and Superman try to solve the, the puzzle, puzzle of, of the, the wild, wild world. world. And we have another jaggedy boxed caption at the bottom of this page, which says, Reader, how many errors can you spot in this story? After you read it, save this issue and check the list of goofs in the next issue of Action. And we should point out, and that tried and tested sort of way of doing things at this point in DC's history, like there's a really good story in World's Finest that's promised to finish in issue 179, but it's actually resolved in issue 180. It's actually issue 390 of Action Comics that has the full list of goofs. What list of goofs could that be, Dave? You might be thinking, listeners. Well, listeners, we're going to do our best to catch them all as we go. It's a very interesting story. It just about falls within our remit. Oh, it does. So we shall see how we get on. So, we enter the story properly on page two. The caption for the first panel says, As the latest Apollo mission touches down on the moon. Yes. And because of the landing on the moon, does this qualify as taking a drink? I don't know. It does, yeah. We see an Apollo capsule landing. We see the Earth in the sky behind it. Um, from inside the capsule, an astronaut says, A perfect landing after a perfect flight. And his pal says, I guess the boys at the Houston Space Center did their homework right. Okay, caption for panel two. Soon, it's moonwalk time. Moonwalk time. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Yes, but the two astronauts are out on the surface of the planet. One of them looks a bit distracted because his colleague says, Mike, what's wrong? And we see Mike in the foreground of the panel, very nicely rendered, actually, pointing and saying, Take a look at Earth! And then the first astronaut says, Great guns! The oceans have turned white, and every continent is a different colour! And that's what we see. Mike continues, saying, Earth has gone tutti-frutti, but how? Only a minute ago, it looked normal. And indeed, that's what we see. It's a very effective panel. We'll probably put it in the socials. The perfect circle, and we can see, for example, that Europe is green, North America is sort of pink, the middle part of America is purple, South America is sort of yellowy-orange, mm -hmm. and we can see that Africa is a deeper orange. The caption then for panel four says, Well, our planet sure isn't normal now. Let's see what's happening Earthside. And we cut to Earth and we see Superman and Lois standing on top of the Daily Planet Globe. But the Daily Planet Globe is different. It lacks any geographical detailing and the letters are all in lowercase. Superman is in the process of saying, I've an urgent mission awaiting me, dearest. The planet Uranus is being overrun by giant green mould. I must eat it. I'll hurry back as fast as I can. Lois replies, I always knew that world would come to a bad end. Well, I'll count the minutes till you return, darling, for our wedding day. Lois appears to be holding an umbrella. In the next panel, Superman flies off, and Lois waves. She puts her hand up to her mouth and thinks, I'm so glad Clark Kent finally asked me to marry him. Too bad I had to break my engagement to Sergeant Rock, though. I'll miss inspecting foxholes with him. So hopefully, listeners, your alarm bells will be ringing. Now, we're not going to draw your attention to every... We're going to describe everything that we have in the story, but we're sure. not going to alert you to every single little thing that might be worth noting. We'll just see how we go on. The final panel on page two, Lois has leapt off the top of the Daily Planet building and is drifting down to the ground, using her umbrella to slow her descent. And as she does this, she thinks... I'd better start counting those minutes. Let's see. One minute and twenty seconds. One minute and a half. Two minutes. 
takes her ages to fall to the ground, obviously. The first panel of page three is captioned. Meanwhile, outside Metropolis. Yes, this is very odd. A lot of greenery, what looks like a, a Disney palace in the background. And a small gentleman, very small gentleman, in a purple suit with a purple, we'd probably say bowler hat. In America, they might say doiby. Doiby. sure. Yes. This little figure is flying along through the sky. And he's saying, Me can't wait to have some more fun with my old friend Superman. It be 70 days since the last time him tricked me back into my own dimension. And then another caption at the bottom of that panel says, Yes, it's Mr. Pitalik, that zany imp from the fifth dimension. But why is he talking like a bizarro? We'll find out, I'm sure. Fifth dimension obviously makes me think of the, the excellent song. 5D, Fifth Dimension with the Birds, but that's a subject for another podcast. The caption mm. for panel two. Just then... And Mixie looks astonished. Very quickly, he tells us what he sees. Great Caesar's ghost. Either me see a ballpoint missile or an anti-ballistic fountain pen. Yeah, that's what it looks like flying towards him. It's bizarre, if you pardon the pun. In panel three, we suddenly see this enormous fountain pen is being borne aloft by Pizarro, who pulls a handle which squirts ink all over Mixie. Mixie says, Pizarro, the ugly, imperfect duplicate of Superman. Why you waste all this ink on me? Pens are going dry in China. Pizarro says, I had considered using a saber, but I remembered a line from my literary studies. The pen is mightier than the sword. I should point out here, it might just be a colouring mistake, because his boots are red in the next panel, but from what we can see, Bizarro's boot is yellow. Another caption highlights something that's going on when it says, What's this? Bizarro speaks perfect English now? And the next panel shows Bizarro sort of sat down in midair, talking to Mixie as Wonder Woman swims, stroke, flies past underneath him. Bizarro says, You're on Earth for one reason, to nag Superman. But he's why I'm here. Last time he visited the Bizarro world, he helped the Frito Bandido clean out my pantry. And an ink-soaked Mixie says, So you think me get in your way, huh? Then Bizarro replies in the final panel of page three, You read me, baby. We just don't mix. And I never hang around with illiterates. To which Mixie replies, Me don't either. But wait a minute, Bizarro. Me have idea how us can help each other. And we should probably point out that they're having this conversation above an Apollo rocket launch pad, which shows what looks like a Saturn V rocket, with its engines going full steam for one of a better way of putting it. <laughs> but instead of going up into the air, it's powering into the ground. How bizarre. How weird. Anyway, we turn the page. The first panel of page four is captioned. At that moment, in the office of Perry White, Daily Planet editor. Yes, we see Perry on the phone in the foreground. And in the background, sliding in on a fireman's pole, which is coming down through a hole in the ceiling, it's none other than Jimmy Olsen, who cries, Chef, why are you on the hotline? Phone rates are outrageous this time of day. Petty replies to Jimmy, I must talk to Batman, and don't call me Chef, just because I keep cooking your goose. And we should mention here, of course, that Petty's wearing a bow tie, and Olsen is wearing a straight tie. Panel 2, close up of Perry, and he looks again very much like Neil Adams in the same way that he did on the cover of um, yeah. Adventure Comics a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. He's bellowing into the phone with a, an upside-down pipe in his mouth. So, we're going to need the Batmobile for Superman's wedding reception, Cape Crusader. And then we see on the other end of the phone, Batman with the atom symbol on his forehead, and he's saying, My pleasure to offer it, efficient editor. It needs a major overhaul first. 
I'm going to the Gotham USO base to pick up the Major now. <laughs> That's terrible. In panel four, we're back in the Daily Planet office, back with Perry and Jimmy. We get a better look at their neckwear. And with a crash, suddenly, Supergirl comes flying through the wall. We can see that she has the bracelet labelled Green K. Perry says, Supergirl, why on earth didn't you fly in through the window? To which Supergirl says, Sorry, Mr. White, I spotted a colony of concrete-eating termites in the wall with my heat vision, and this was the fastest way to get all of them. We can also see in this panel that under her left arm she has a parcel which is kind of wrapped in candy cane striped paper. In panel 5, Perry sat at his desk now and Supergirl presents him with this, saying, This is a wedding present for Superman from his parents, jor and Lara. They were both too busy to come themselves. What is it? says Perry. Supergirl continues, A kryptonite sculpture of jor left profile. Obviously, listeners, there's a few things there which aren't quite right. The final panel of page 4 is a caption that says, but now let's jump thousands of miles to a Pacific island where we find furious <laughs> World War Two combat being waged. World War Two? This is very odd. We see Sergeant Rock standing reading like a telegram or a letter or something in full view of you know the enemy fire, which we can see whizzing past them. And in front of them, in a trench, are a couple of members of Easy Company and what appears to be. The recognisable forms of Little Sure Shot and the Ice Cream Soldier, they're a little different, as we'll see. So down in the trench, the two members of Easy are looking up at the rock, and what appears to be Sure Shot says, Get down, rock! You crazy or something? And Ice Cream Soldier says, Now I know who that masked man was we saw right away. The enemy is shooting at us with silver bullets! Is that a Lone Ranger reference? May well be. It could be. But as I said, Sergeant Rock is standing in plain sight, and he's reading from this letter, and he's saying, Oh, Lois... You couldn't be so cruel. And another caption at the bottom of this panel reminds us that... Sergeant Rock appears regularly in Our Army at War. Editor. Listeners, I will refer you to our episode where we covered Batman and Sergeant Rock and Brave the Bold a few weeks ago for some mm. background info on Sergeant Rock. The first panel of page five is a close-up shot of Sergeant Rock with tears in his eyes as he reads from the letter which is addressed to Sergeant Rock, care of Letters to Laugh in Burbank, California. <laughs> He's in the process of saying... It's all over, little half-shot and ice-bag soldier. My darling Lois has decided to ditch me for Superman. And already we know that's wrong, because it should be... That's little half-shot, we know it should be sure-shot. And ice-bag soldier, which we know is ice-cream soldier. And we can see in this panel clearly that ice-cream soldier has a pink ice-bag on top of his head. Gosh. Half-shot says... Come on, Sarge, your life isn't over. An ice-bag soldier says... He didn't mean his life, he, he means the war. In the next panel, we see Sergeant Rock yelling through a large loudhailer, which has the, the logo of Mad Magazine written on it. Are you as bored of this yet, listeners, as I am? <laughs> <laughs> He's yelling, All right, you combat happy Joes and tear shows, cut it! In the next panel, we see that, well, soldiers wearing a <laughs> an array of different looking soldiers wearing different looking army uniforms have all emerged from the, the sort of forest. Mm. Rock says, until I win my lowest back, I'm hereby declaring an official timeout. No more fighting or shooting or making faces at each other. And a horribly racist caricature character, which we're going to delete part of his dialogue, he simply observes that he thinks that Sergeant Rock is an eggplant for a brain. Beside him, a colleague of his says, I agree. How he hoped to compete with Honourable Superman for young ladies' love. Now... It's going to be a real struggle for Peter and I picking, maybe less so for Peter for Facebook, but me picking 10 panels for Instagram. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to pick 10 highlights, but hmm. panel four of page five, oh, goodness me, 
Sergeant Rock is climbing onto the wing of what looks a bit like Wonder Woman's invisible jet. He's saying, Hula! Hokum! Hoopa! I'll blast it all! I knew I shouldn't have bought this robot plane from that used car dealer. I can't remember the magic word to start it! Also standing in the wing, Icebag Soldier helpfully says, Try Hola, Sarge! And then the next panel, as the robot plane zooms off, with Rock still standing on it, as Rock says, Hola! Get up, plane! Take me to Metropolis! And Little Halfshot says, We can watch reruns of combat on TV till he gets back. We might need our American listeners to tell us what combat is. Now, we should point out at the back of this panel, there's a red World War One vintage aeroplane flying past. It looks to me like the one flown by Enemy Ace. It does indeed, yes. I think that's probably what they're alluding to here. So, over the page, the first panel of page six has a caption that says, So it seems a bitter rivalry exists, and here comes the other rival. Yes, it's Superman flying back to Metropolis, which appears to be stuck in the middle of a large park for some reason. I don't know. Soups is thinking, My eyes must need a super rest. First I imagined that Earth was a giant multi-flavoured lollipop. So that's obviously a reference to what the astronauts saw. And now, my telescopic vision shows some weird hallucination in Lois's apartment. Caption for panel two. A moment later... Soups flies in through the open curtains. Lois standing up with her hair in complete disarray. It looks like she's holding a guitar or a violin or something. But she says... Clark, darling, you're back early. I've missed you so much. It's been 720 minutes. And Soups looks at this wild-haired lady and thinks, Great Krypton, this can't be my Lois. She continues in the next panel, saying, I see you got a haircut, and since you're not wearing your glasses, I'd better check your eyes. And she holds up what looks like a little pen torch and shines them into Soups' wide open eyes. He looks very perplexed, as Lois continues by saying, Hmm, they don't seem to match, dear. And Soups is thinking, while this is going on, It's a dream. This all has to be a dream. The caption then for panel four. And as Lois leads Superman over to a window... <laughs> yes, they look out the window, and basically, almost like a billboard on the wall of the building opposite, <laughs> is a giant certificate of marriage. And we can make out the names Clark, Superman, Kent, something, something, Lois Lane. Wild-haired Lois is saying... Less than 24 hours from now, we'll be man and wife, darling. And it was so loving of you to make a giant marriage license for all of Metropolis to see. Superman looks appalled and he thinks, I did that? And gave away my secret identity? The caption for panel five. Suddenly, a radio alert crackles through the room. And then a voice emerges, not from the radio as you'd expect, but from an angle-poised lamp on the desk. And this radio announcer says, Flash! Lex Luthor and Brainiac have been seen entering the city. Flash! Soups leaps into action, saying, Never mind about the Flash! He's in Central City! This is a job for Superman! And as Lois combs her hair in the foreground of the panel, Soups thinks, And an excuse to get away from this! Whatever she is! The final panel of page six shows Superman flying along, thinking to himself as Jimmy Olsen appears to be surfing through the air behind him. I hope Jimmy's got his shorts on there and it's not just a weird bit of shading. Oh, it looks like shorts to me. <laughs> as he flies along, Superman is thinking, I may be over-suspicious, but I think something is drastically wrong on Earth. Maybe I'll spot some clue that will help me pinpoint the trouble. And so the first panel of page seven has a caption that says... Meanwhile... Oh, listeners, listeners, listeners. 
But you see, when you picture Lex Luthor, what's your main sort of defining physical characteristic that you place with him? I would say it would be his big bald napper, as we would say here. Yes, I have one myself. It's terrific. Yes, Lex Luthor, instead of the familiar, perhaps, grey fatigues or the... I don't think he'd got his battle suit by this point. No, yeah. You see Lex Luthor is wearing sort of flared brown trousers and sandals, a, a loud green shirt with a pattern, a medallion round his neck, and he is cascading tumbling brown curls and as I said we see Brainiac who's dressed like Mr Mixoplex with a DC logo on the left side of his chest and they appear to be standing not on a flying saucer but on a giant floating red hat that's what it looks like I don't know maybe it's just supposed to be a flying saucer that looks like a hat I don't know this hairy version of Luthor is peering off into the distance and saying well where is he you said Superman would show up right away if we hovered above Metropolis like this I hate Earth I hate it. And then the Brainiac Mexi says, Relax, Luther. You know your hair grows whenever you're excited. <laughs> Caption for panel two. A moment later, a dynamic figure is zooming toward the spacecraft. I've never seen Superman look so astonished <laughs> at anything. Um, this is cracking. As he flies towards this weird vehicle, Soup's wide-eyed, wide mouth is thinking, Brainiac wearing Mr. Mixoplex's outfit. Luther sporting three pounds of hair. Now I know the whole world has gone bananas. Those villains are not even trying to escape. Superman alights on the brim of this flying space hat as some geese fly by. Soup says to the two baddies, Don't move. Both of you are under arrest for the countless crimes you've committed all over the galaxy. To which Brainy Mexi replies, Arrest? What kind of comedy routine are you trying to pull? <laughs> The next panel shows <laughs> Harry Luther's hilarious. I'm sorry. It's going to be really difficult to pick some panels for this. Harry Luther and Brainy are standing. They're both holding some certificates in their hands, holding up to show Superman. Luther clarifies their nature by saying, Brainiac and I reformed years ago. And for adapting our genius to benefit mankind, the president gave us both full pardons. And as we can see, pardon, and they're both actually, well, Brainiac tells us who they're signed by. Pardon's also signed by you, remember, Superman? And off-camera, Soups thinks, Oop, that's my signature, without a doubt. Luther continues in the final panel of this page, saying, Humph, after a welcome like that, I don't think he deserves the wedding present we brought with us. To which Brainy says, Now, Luther, don't be cross. Superman is just an upset, nervous bridegroom, that's all. To which Soups in the extreme close-up thinks, That's putting it mildly. The first panel of page eight is captioned. So, Luther whistles a little melody in 4-4 time, and the present springs forth from a hatch underneath the ship. Yes, out flies a massive green three-headed creature, which also has wings and looks like a couple of tails and six legs and hooves. And There's one head that looks like a sort of cross-eyed cow, one that looks like a sort of, I don't know what it is, a lizard, and there's another Mm. one that appears to be... A sort of goofy man with receding hair and vivid yellow eyebrows and buck teeth. It's absolutely hideous. It might end up in the socials. I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, Peter and I actively encourage you to seek out a copy of Action Comics 388 oh, so you can read along yourselves because we're probably not doing it justice. This horrific creature flies away from the space hat and Superman says, What is it? And it appears that it's Brainiac saying it. However, it's clear that the dialogue belongs to Luther. Maybe this is another one of the deliberate mistakes we're supposed to spot, listeners. Anyway, the dialogue says, We call it the Norgog. It's a synthetic animal that Brainiac and I created just for you, Superman. It's a perfect pet. 
It flies. It jumps. It wags all its tails. It's quiet. It never eats. It reads shorthand. The next panel, we seem to have relocated because they appear to be standing and watching the Norgog taking a chunk and knocking the top off of the Eiffel Tower. This is bizarre. Superman is saying, Norgog, stay away from that tower. He sees the damage being done and says, too late. Why didn't it obey me? To which Luther says, oh, we forgot to tell you. The one thing the Norgog just doesn't do is take orders. Well, that's helpful. The caption for the next panel. Moments later, after the villains have departed, taking the Norgog with them. This is an interesting panel. It's a perspective of Superman hovering beside a building, and we can see through a window. A small chap with dark hair and neat glasses and a neater moustache looking at him. It makes me think of Sheldon Mayer or Scribbly or something like that. I'm not mm. sure who it's supposed to be. And a thought bubble. We can't see who's having the thought. Is coming from the top of the building as we see a cauldron of brown liquid being tipped towards Superman. This thought bubble, maybe my awful acting will tell you it is. This'll fix that super sap. The stuff in the vat will put him out of the picture, but good. Superman, of course, is unaware of this brown liquid at this moment, and he's hovering near thinking, Luthor and Brainiac are my worst foes. Yet I'm worrying if I hurt their feelings by returning that beast. It's absurd. The caption then for panel four says, Suddenly... And yet, indeed, suddenly Superman is coated in that brown liquid. He's flying up towards the top of the building now, thinking, Ugh! Someone just tried to drown me with chocolate syrup. For this, there has to be a reason. Thank goodness it's only chocolate syrup, listeners. Yes. That's what I can say. The final panel of page eight, Soups has landed on top of the building. In the background, we can see a couple playing on a seesaw. I wonder if the, the, if the man is supposed to be Jimmy Olsen. But anyway, Soups kneels down. We can see the chocolate syrup pouring off him and forming into bars of chocolate on the <laughs> ground. And he's picking up what looks like a small silver container and he thinks, all I found was a World War II army canteen. But what does it mean? Either the whole world has gone insane or I have. Gasp, a tiny caption says. Continued on second page following. We pass a full page advertisement for Superboy issue 165, mm. which I do own listeners, so you don't have to send me a copy of that in. And the first panel of page nine, then, is captioned... Elsewhere in the city. And this panel shows Bizarro flying along with Mr. Mixoplex, and it's almost as though he's two handles coming out the back of his neck that Mixie's grabbed a hold of. Bizarro is saying... I don't know about this team-up of ours, Mixie's Pitalik. Somehow I think you're taking advantage of me, and we still haven't found Superman. You know, worry, Bizarro. You ought to know me could never take advantage of you. Now, giddy up. The next panel shows them flying over the cityscape. They spot something. Bizarro says, A lucky break for us. There's Crypto, the super dog. We'll just follow him. He's sure to lead us to his master. Yeah, what we see here in the foreground of the panel is indeed the crypto that we described from the cover. Instead of being white, he's orange with a white lightning streak on his side. And he appears to be carrying a dinosaur skeleton in his mouth. Gosh. Oh my goodness. Mixie comments, saying, Maybe him show way to Superman too. And then the caption for panel three. And after a short flight. Lots going on in this panel. Orange crypto flying around circles, ripping the skeleton to bits. Lois, with her wild hair, hanging out of a window nearby and saying, why, Crypto, how sweet. You must be making a wedding present for Superman and me right before my eyes. And Bizarro and Mixie fly in with Mixie saying, mm -hmm. Super Dog lead us to Lois Lane instead of Master. Maybe Superman hasn't been feeding the mutt enough cat food. 
The caption then for panel four of page nine says, Mere seconds later, the bone sculpture is finished. Yes, we see the result of Crypto's handiwork. He's basically made sort of two rough humanoid skeletons out of what he was playing with. This is grotesque. <laughs> Lois looks charmed as she clasps her hands up to her face and we still see the wild hair as she says, Oh, miniature skeletons of a bride and groom. What a lovely thought, Crypto. Thank you. Goodness me. Off camera, Bizarro says, Okay, Mixias Pitlick, we've wasted enough time. Use your magic to find Superman. And very helpfully, the, the caption for the final panel of page nine tells us what happens in this panel. But, unexpectedly, the zany imp is spirited away. Yes, with a whoosh, we see Mixie being drawn away from Bizarro, and as this happens, Mixie says, Hey, what happened to me? And we find it very quickly, as the caption for the first panel of page ten says, Yes, it's the Man of Steel moving at super speed. Yes, Superman and Mixie confronting each other as Soup says, You've had your fun, Mixoplick. I just knew you had to be on Earth somewhere. Your wacky magic is the only explanation for the world's insanity. Mixie says, You think so? Me show you. Ah, and then panel two. Mixie's dialogue goes like this. Kilpasixum, me say my name backwards, which send me back to my own dimension for... Fifty days! And with a pop, Mixie disappears, leaving Superman behind who says, You mean ninety days? But good riddance. All the effects of your inane magic will automatically vanish with you. But after the imp is gone... Superman looks surprised, as in front of him... Oh my goodness, this is grotesque. (laughs) (laughs) There's a figure flying through the air on a tricycle, towing along a sort of headless torso wearing flippers that seems to be sort of swimming along in its wake. There's a, you know, the figure on the bike is a young child. It looks like a marrow with arms and legs. Oh, I suppose it does, actually. I thought it was just like a... To me, it just looked like a scale bathy, as yeah. you might say over here. But you're, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is still appalled. He thinks, Blazing comets! Nothing's changed! Then Mixoplink really wasn't the cause of all this. But what other explanation could there be? Abruptly, Superman becomes the target of a furious bombardment. Yes, we see him being struck by a huge number of small green objects, to which he says, Oh, it can't be, but it is. Someone is firing a barrage of Brussels sprouts at me. Eat your Brussels sprouts, kids, they're good for you. The caption for panel five. Seconds later, the action ace has traced the source of attack. Yes, the point of view in this panel is from inside a helicopter. You see Superman outside bearing a large gun that has the, the legend Veggie 16 Sprout and Radish Bazooka written upon it. From outside the helicopter, Superman is thinking, Hmm, the pilot of this helicopter sure ditched in a hurry. He must be the same culprit who attacked me with chocolate. Off camera, a voice says, Superman. And Bizarro appears in the final panel of page 10, bearing a large yellow sack which has written on it, Do not open until Groundhog Day. Bizarro continues, I was mad at you, but when Lois told me about the wedding, I made amends and got you a present. Your fondness for green vegetables is written all over you, so I gathered 100,000 Brussels sprout seeds as a gift. Here. (laughs) He hands the bag to Superman and exclaims, Oh no! And then, suddenly, the caption for the first panel of page 11. The next moment... Yes, Superman says, Three legionnaires materialising here out of the time barrier. They must be coming from their clubhouse in the 30th century, and we see what appears to be Saturn Girl Cosmic Boy and Lightning Lad 
But instead of in a, a time bubble, the time sphere, which they normally travel around in, it's a cube. It's like a glass cube. It's very Gosh. interesting. Now, as we described on the cover, Saturn girl doesn't have Saturn on her chest. She has a crescent moon. And this girl says, oh dear, must we all tell Superman our terrible news? And the fella who looks like Cosmic Boy, but with one single red glove with a white star on it, he says, yes, think how much fun it will be to ruin his marriage. Next panel shows what appears to be Lightning Lad, but as we can see in panel one, instead of his traditional twin lightning bolt symbols, he has the Flash symbol, so that's obviously a callback to what we saw in the splash panel. And this version of Garth holds up a copy of the Daily Planet, and he's saying, this is a Daily Planet edition dated one year from now, proving what a stupid wife Lois will turn out to be. Face it, Superman, your bride is all the brains of a cucumber. The headline says, Lois Lane misplaces husband's uniform. Unclothed man of might stays out of sight. Oh dear, that's not very... Mm. Panel 3 is captioned. But suddenly, the Legion Times Square is no more. Yes, a point of view shot he is. We're beside the wild-haired Lois Lane, who appears to have a pea shooter up to her mouth. She's fired it, and we see the time cube disappearing in a puff of pink dust, it seems almost. As she does all this, Lois is thinking... This super dart gun Jimmy Olsen invented may be a silly millimetre longer, but it always makes its target vanish for one hour. This is the last year I give to the Legionnaire cookie drive. <laughs> the next panel, Superman appears to be coming in through the window and looks like he's caught his head in some Venetian blinds or in a shade <laughs> or something. In the foreground of the panel, Lois is using an unusual looking brush to, to comb her hair in front of a mirror, but the mirror is showing a reflection of the Barbara Gordon Batgirl. And this, I think, might be the first time the Barbara Gordon Batgirl has appeared in the podcast. It certainly is, yes. Gosh. There you go, listeners. And it's not even her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good grief. So now, as Soups comes in through the window, he's saying, uh, Lois, about this wedding, I'm afraid there's been some terrible mix-up. And Lois, as she adjusts her hair, is saying, Now, dear, it was your idea to put all 750,000 of your enemies on the guest list. <laughs> It's a good thing you didn't invite all your friends. That would have made another seven. Good grief. Caption for panel five. Without warning, a dingy, khaki-clad figure leaps out of hiding. Yes, Sergeant Rock appears out of nowhere. Looks like he was hiding under a table. He bursts out and starts hurling what looks like rotten fruit at Superman. Rock says, Ah! Now you really had it, Superman. But you're starting to feel weak already. And we should say that what else is going on? A figure who reminds me a little bit of Scribbly or, or Sheldon Mayer with neat dark hair and glasses and a moustache is poking in the, the window watching what's going on. As he's struck by what looks like these rotten vegetables, now actually it's not a table that Rock is hiding, he's carrying a rubbish bin. It's not very, very clear at all. He's throwing the rubbish at Superman, that's what's going on. As he gets struck by the trash, Soups is saying, Good grief, it's Sergeant Rock! Lois, hanging over the back of a couch, delightedly says, Rock, honey, you know the trash doesn't go out until <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The first panel on page 12, Sergeant Rock is now down on his knees in front of Superman. Superman standing with the arms folded and all the rotten fruit <laughs> falling off him. I'm getting a tweet out of that one, listeners, I'm telling you. <laughs> Rock is on his knees, clasping his hands and saying, I give up. You're still standing. Lois is yours. Nothing can kill you. Not chocolate syrup, not Brussels sprouts, not even five-day-old garbage. And an impassive, arms-folded Superman with the rubbish falling off him says, But Rock, why didn't you try kryptonite? And a teared-faced Rock looks up on panel two and says, 
Kryptonite? What good would that do? Everybody knows about your three weaknesses. Chocolate, Brussels sprouts, and five-day-old garbage. You must have become immune somehow. Hmm. I think I'm beginning to understand this insane mess now, says Superman. The next panel shows Sergeant Rock climbing out of the open window, and as he departs, he says, She'll make a good wife, Superman, but be sure to feed her hair once a week. My robot plane's parked just outside the window here. Lois is on the, the floor with a magnifying glass looking at some of the trash that Rock littered the place with, and she exclaims, This garbage is six days old if it's a day! <laughs> Panel four... <laughs> We see Sergeant Rock's helmet floating in midair and a scream of, Yeah! And then we hear his voice saying, That stupid plane moved! (laughs) (laughs) Works better when you read it, listeners, honestly. (laughs) Superman, still with some rubbish in his head in the foreground of the panel, thinks, All the evidence suggests another Superman exists, which means this isn't my world, but a fouled-up duplicate of Earth. There you go, listeners. That's why we've (laughs) been subjecting you to this. Panel 5, Superman is taken to the air. He's flying above the city. There's a poster on the side of a building in front of him that has a picture of Clark Kent in front of the the seal of the President of the United States. And it has a caption underneath that says, Your President loves to point. (laughs) Amazing. Soup's is in the air and he's thinking, A while ago, when I was away visiting another galaxy, this wacko world somehow replaced the real Earth but I don't know where to begin looking for. And then off camera, a quiet voice says, Psst, Superman. Huh? Says the Man of Steel. And in the final panel, page 12, we see the neat-haired, bespectacled, moustache suit-wearing figure that we had seen lurking in earlier panels. He appears to be piloting a sort of enclosed, I want to say hover scooter bike type thing. It's not too far away from what we saw the vigilante driving in flashback recently. And this figure opens a sort of sliding hatch in the side of this bubble and as he hovers above Superman he says I'm Professor Farlow Nerd I've been busy zooming around this planet trying to make some sense out of it but I realise now that my world duplicator was a total disaster So you're the cause of all this I hope to create a second Earth that would materialise in a different orbit around the sun but I must have miscalculated because the real Earth vanished, and this insane duplicate world took over its orbits. Then Earth has been wiped out? Not necessarily. It might have been hurled into some limbo realm unknown to us. The trouble is, I've no idea how to get the planet back where it belongs. Where is this world duplicator of yours? In orbit above us. I was up there too, safe in my Cosmos scooter when I beamed the duplicator over Earth. We're now on to panel three of page 13 at this point, and we can see Professor Farlow pointing up into the sky. Soup's using his supervision and detecting what looks like a sort of odd-shaped blue sort of satellite. As he beholds this, Soup says, I see. Come on. You and I are space-bound. I have a way-out idea, but it's Earth's only hope. Busy moments later. We see Superman being a large reflective disc next to the blue world duplicator that Farlow pointed at in the earlier panel. And Farlow, very helpfully, from inside his Cosmos scooter, he thinks, What's Superman up to? Why has he used his powers to construct and polish a giant mirror? So there you go, listeners, that's what he's up to. The caption for the final panel of page 13. Next, the action ace activates the professor's device, resulting in a spectacular display. Very helpfully, Superman has a thought bubble here in this final panel, but he thinks, Just as I hoped! By firing the duplicator's beam directly into my mirror, the machine has duplicated itself, 
materialising its own reflection. And that's what's happening. Yes, the machine is firing at the mirror and the reflective one is appearing from the soups. Down in his Cosmoscooter, Professor Nerd thinks... Amazing! Now I know Superman's plan! And we arrive on the final page of this story. The caption for panel one says... Meanwhile, on the planet's far side, a different Superman is returning home. Yes, we see this different Superman. It looks very like the guy we saw on the front cover. He's wearing glasses. He's wearing one red glove, which connects with the sleeve with a sort of yellow lightning flash that you might sort of maybe expect to see on the flash, a bit of detailing. And this figure is flying down towards the tutti-frutti version of Earth that we saw earlier in the story. And he's thinking... That green mould on Uranus certainly took long enough to eat. Can't wait to get back to Lois for our wedding. Burp. Caption then for panel two. Seconds later. And we're back with our own Superman, who's again firing one of those big duplicator machines that looks like a weird satellite, and he's thinking, this duplicate of the duplicator should have a reverse effect and hopefully return Earth to its rightful place. The beam fires, Earth seems to shimmer, and Soups thinks, but it's only a theory. Will it work? After agonising seconds of waiting... Superman still bearing the equipment, still firing its big yellow beam. We see a, a familiar shape taking form as Superman thinks, Success! Looks like good old Earth is back to stay. I'll destroy both these world duplicators before Professor Nerd decides to experiment with planets again. And on board a lunar spacecraft making its return voyage... Yep, yeah, we're inside the spaceship with three astronauts looking down the North, which is... You know, from what we see, the colour of it has been returned back to normal. The first astronaut says, Mike, we're not space crazy. Not if we both saw it from the moon and Steve saw it from orbit. Mike says, Shut up. We didn't see anything. Who'd believe it? If we try and tell anyone the truth once we land, they'll never let us out of quarantine. And so we arrive at the final panel of this story, which is captioned, And on the duplicate Earth, which is now in another dimension... We basically see the situation that I described in painstaking detail of the cover. So we referred you to that part of the podcast. <laughs> Except Lightning Lad has joined Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl. Jimmy's asleep in the car. Super Girl's throwing spaghetti. Streaky, the crypto combination, is flying in. Bizarro is saying, Hooray for Superman. I like him. And a very perturbed Lois is saying to her long-haired, glove-wearing, bespectacled new husband, You and your fancy wedding receptions, Clark. For this, I got a haircut. And a small caption in the corner says, The End. That's crazy that the final panel of the story was the cover. Yes. How unusual is that? But I'll get a tweet out of it, so that's good. So that's good. <laughs> well then, listeners. Mm. Yeah, Action Comics here in 88. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit vague there what was happening at the end about, you mm. know, did it exist already and Professor Nerd just brought it through or did it backfire? Well, it certainly exists now, and it's in another dimension, so... Yeah, I must have miscalculated, because the real of vanishness and saying duplicate world took over its orbit. Yeah, I think they were just sort of swapped. Could be. So I think it does exist in its own little dimension. I mean, it says there, which is now in another dimension at the end, so... It counts as a parallel off story, doesn't it, Peter? Earth 388, <laughs> let's call it that. There we go. Yes, I like it. I haven't checked the Crisis Compendium if it's in there or not, it might be. But yeah, that makes sense. It may be. Well, that was a lot of fun. Absolutely hilarious in points. The Sergeant Rock <laughs> jumping out the window tickled me like nothing else. <laughs> just so bizarre that they're turning up. Uh-huh. Sergeant Rock and the rest of the easy just during World War Two, but Yeah. But not. But not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. 
It's almost as if it was a bet to get a joke in every panel. Yes. Or to get a, a joke slash mistake in every panel. Yeah. Uh, because the scenes where Superman flying by and they've got Jimmy Olsen sky surfing. Mm. At least it looked like Jimmy uh, sky surfing above Because there's no reference to that at all. Yeah. The scene with Wonder Woman swimming through the air, there's no reference to her at all. It just happens in the background. Yeah. It's just really, really bizarre. Going by the publication date, 26th mm-hmm. of March, despite what they say, it's not an April Fool's story. It clearly is. Yeah. Huh? It's in the spirit of all that, isn't Without it? Without a doubt, yeah. No, that was a lot of fun. I don't I don't really have too much to add. The artwork was nice. It was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. if a lot of hard work, describing everything that was going on. Yeah. It's the sort of thing you can imagine, I'm paraphrasing Tom Baker here, when I say you can imagine it amusing or diverting mm-hmm. an average bright child. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, the, the Alfred E. Newman mm-hmm. appearance on the first page. As you say, one the room and swimming past, yeah. and as I said about Sergeant Rock, and mm-hmm. the amusing stuff about the secret identity being blown by the giant certificate of marriage, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was great fun. It was Sergeant Rock throwing rubbish at Superman just killed me. That was that was <laughs> glorious. Going back to the splash page a second, because mm-hmm. the only thing that pays off on the splash page is Batman. Although we do see Wonder Woman passing, yes, we don't see the Alfred E. Newman version of Aquaman. We don't certainly don't see Jimmy Olsen as Green Lantern, yeah, and we don't see the Flash with his Hawkman wings and Lightning Lad symbols. So that's a complete red herring. Yeah, well, that's maybe de- another one, maybe deliberately. <laughs> Maybe another weird, wild thing that they've put in just to, to yeah. annoy, confuse and confound the, the reader. Could be. It was great fun. And I think, yes, and I think it, I think it does qualify. I think it's, it falls in a remit because mm-hmm. it, with that little sort of other dimension reference at the end, and it makes me, it does make me think that things were swapped around. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost the sort of thing that I always sort of put down disparagingly as a broken machine story. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Like we've had with some of the Supergirl stories we've done recently where mm-hmm. a lot of weird stuff happens and at the end we're revealed that we're actually on a parallel world. Mm-hmm. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was easier to understand than the one where Supergirl met Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, true. Very true. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot more fun, even though we both enjoyed the, the hairy Supergirl story, it was a lot more fun than that. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, Luther with long hair was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Batman as the Atom, Jimmy on a fireman's pole. It was great fun. <laughs> I don't really have too much to add myself. Do you have anything else to, to highlight? Uh, one of the things we didn't really mention, or I didn't really mention during it, was the uniforms of Mixius Pitalik and Brainiac. Yes. Because obviously Brainiac's wearing what we know as the Earth One Mixius Pitalik's outfit, more or less, obviously with a, a few tweaks. Mm-hmm. But Mixius Pitalik himself, when he turns up, he's actually wearing the uniform of the Earth Two version, Mr. Mixius de Pilk. Ah, now, by that, do you mean the Golden Age version? Yes. Right. The original, because originally he had a slightly different look. Yeah. Until we get a story with him appearing with the Earth 2 Superman, it's probably safer just to refer to him as the Golden Age one, isn't it? Yeah, true. By default, he really, yeah, you're right, I suppose, Mm -hmm. he is the the Earth 2 guy. Yeah, I thought that, because my my main memory, do you remember the Cosmic Team cards when they came out in the early 90s? Uh, Oh, yes, I've still got a few of them. Uh Uh-huh. You got like representative cards for heroes like Green Lantern, Shazam, mm-hmm. Superman, and some of the villains. And I think Mixie was one of them. You yeah. saw a version that was like a Golden Age version, wearing the sort of the suit that we described for this episode, then a Silver Age version, then a more modern one with yeah. longer hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we've done a Mixie story, to be honest. I quite like him. Yep, and we'll be doing more of him in the future, which is good. Yep, I have started picking out 10 Mixie covers to put on a social, but I'm not going to use them for this issue. I'll use them for a much mm-hmm. later issue of something else. So listeners, stay tuned for that. Uh-huh. As you say as well, Green Aquarian and Mixie's uniform, that's quite good as well. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Instead of his, you know, traditional at this point, sort of pink top and white trousers uh-huh. or whatever it was. Yeah, that was that was good as well. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of thing, the first time you read it, you're, you're sort of going, what? But I suppose because we had to pay a bit more 
attention to everything that was happening, mm-hmm. you know, a closer read of it, I think, actually. We got all the details. It's worth pointing out there's a character who looks like Professor Norb in the Legion story that rounds out this issue. Ah. Just as much with the glasses and the moustache. Probably a coincidence. Interesting. I'm not even sure if it's a new story or a reprint, to be honest. It looks like a reprint. Yes, it is a reprint. It was originally in Adventure Comics 302. Oh, that's the issue before the first appearance of Matarita Lad. There we are. Excellent. Mm. That's from 1962. Other Legion podcasts are doubtless available. We are. I can definitely recommend the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, because that's a great show. And they've been running for a gazillion years. (laughs) And they still find new stuff to talk about every week. It's great. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, we should check that out, listeners. Shall we do the letters then, Pizzi? Yes, let's jump forward. So, the first letter from Action Comics 392 goes like this. Dear editor, naturally... The cover of action number 388 was one of the most thought-provoking in a long time, as was the story illustrated. To think the scene on that cover actually took place, albeit on Professor Nerd's mad world of swimming watermelons, there we go, that's not what I thought it was, hmm. ice bag soldiers and concrete-eating termites. This was undoubtedly your most uproarious story since Superman's inception. While saying I found mistakes in the stories like saying I found drops of water in the Pacific Ocean, I found three that are not explained by the parallel world. A. The other Mexoplex said it was 70 days since Soupy tricked him into his own dimension, but later on it's only 50 days. B. Soupy recognises Sergeant Rock. When did they ever meet before? Mm. Interesting. C. Why wasn't the original duplicator sent into the other dimension when struck by its own rays as the original Earth was? He then goes on to talk about the Superboy story, which, as Pete has just told us, was a reprint. Mm -hmm. And the editorial response to Richard H. Morrissey from Framingham, Massachusetts Letters, really just dealing with with Richard's questions about the Legion, which is a bit disappointing. It is. But he highlighted a couple of things there. Well, let's discuss it ourselves. Okay. So the 70 days to 50 days thing, I think, is just the inconsistency of the world. I think that's okay. You can get away with that. Yes. And Superman is Superman. Of course he recognises Sergeant Rock. He probably recognises everyone. He's, <laughs> he's got an eidetic memory, so he's probably read or seen pictures of him in the past. So, yeah. yeah. And, of course, Superman and Sergeant Rock will meet in the pages of this podcast eventually. It's mm-hmm. a long way away. Uh-huh. That highlights, obviously, the whole World War II thing taking place in the present day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't really talk about how the people that Sergeant Rock seemed to be in conflict with were yeah. wearing uniforms from different parts in history. So... Mm-hmm. A lot of weird stuff going on around Sergeant Rock there, yeah. Yep. And the third question, why was the original duplicator not set into another dimension? Well, obviously, they've learned from the first experiment, so they managed to tweak it so it didn't. There you go. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> that works, that works. <laughs> yeah. PC's going to read the next letter. Dear Mort and Mr Bridwell, thought you could trick us, huh? You would have us count up all the supposed errors in Action Comics 388 when actually there is only one. On page one... There is a band-aid on the real Superman. Uh-huh. All the other so-called goofs are legitimate, since on this mixed-up world of Professor Farlow nerd, anything goes. So, the joke is on you. <laughs> That's from Dan Geno, Santa Barbara, California. And the editorial response is... Several other readers were hip to that fact too. True, we didn't mention it a couple of issues back when we listed the goofs, but we had it in mind, just waiting for some alert fan to spot it. And we have another letter from the following issue of Action from 393. And it says, Dear Editor, Puzzle of the Wild World was so funny, I actually let my brother read it, which I never do. When I saw that picture of Aquaman with Alfred E. Newman's head, I almost burst! But I live in the belief that if you do something like that, you can get sued by the other company. How do you get away with it? And that's from Jay Zilber of Columbus, Ohio. And the response is, Simple. 
there actually is no other company. National Periodicals and MAD are different branches of the same outfit. And on that note, let's close by reminding you that our address for all communications is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. That's the first time that's really came up. Yeah. Yeah, aye. I suppose, is it the first time we've talked about Mad Magazine? I think so, yeah. In, mm-hmm. any con- it could be. Gosh, yeah. I can't remember. We've been doing <laughs> this for so long now. Listeners, we're fast approaching the three-year point of when Pizzi and I had our first conversations about doing this podcast. Mm. Terrifying. And here we are all the way up to 1970. <laughs> <laughs> Lots more to come. We thought we'd be finished for now. There you go. If our listeners wanted to correspond with us, how would they go about doing so? Well, you can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because you're in for some treats this week. <laughs> Hit on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast, and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. Be sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram pages for some supplementary material. We'll pick out a few highlight panels, but we do encourage you to track down a copy of the comic yourself. Well, without a doubt. To get the full experience. If you're feeling generous, please go to wherever you receive your podcasts and give us a lovely review if you feel inclined. That would be lovely indeed. On that note... I've been Peter. And I've been David. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again very soon on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. At that moment, in the office of Perry White, dear it... Diddy. At that moment. <laughs> Diddy Planet. <laughs> yeah, excellent. That's going to be the name of the, the DC Comics themed milk bar that we're going to open. <laughs> Harry Looney. Harry Looney? Harry Luther. Ah, and then panel two. Mixes dialogue. Goes like this. Give me a second. <laughs> I thought you'd have been practicing this your whole life. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, I can do Mixes Pitalik and Mixes to Bilk, but this is a, uh, you know. Kilpazixum. Kilpazixum. Me say my name backwards, which send me back to my own dimension for 50 days.